Blog Talk Radio. Microphone on, all right, we're ready to rock. Here we go. 
This show is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com. You're listening to Keep It Magic Radio. 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 Are you ready to make some magic? Jackie and Storm are putting the pieces together for you. Find out what planets are changing the game and how to harness that energy. Get the latest metaphysical perspective on hot topics. Learn how to make magic work for you. Nothing is too hot or personal for Jackie and Storm to handle. Visit our website weekly for articles, updates, and the latest information to transform your life at www.keepitmagic.com. Now here is Jackie Smith and Storm Festivani. Good afternoon, everybody. It is June the 18th, 2013. I'm Storm Festivani. You're listening to... Keep It Magic here on Keep It Magic Radio. You can cruise on over to our sponsor site at www.coventrycreations.com. Again, that's www.coventrycreations.com. You can also reach Jackie off the air at Coventry. And if you need a reading or a healing or for her to check into your Akashic Records library, make sure you return your books. Um, <laughs> she's definitely there and available for you for that. To reach me off the air, of course, go to stormsestavani.com. Um, that is stormsestavani.com. Um, if you can't spell my name, it sounds just like it sounds, except the last name starts with a C, not an S. Um, also, cruise on over to www.keepitmagic.com, which is the official website for the radio show. Um, uh, Jackie, there's uh, something interesting that uh, I have to share with everybody. We've been on iTunes basically since the show started. Right. Um, but we are now on Skitcher which is at www.skitcher.com. Um, Skitcher is pretty interesting. Is it Skitcher or Stitcher? Stitcher, yeah, Stitcher.com. Um, Stitcher is pretty interesting because it's got an enormous amount of, uh, of podcast material in every single category. But here is the thing. It was a job getting on that site. It was, huh? It was a job. You had to fill out forms. They had to approve you. They had to listen to shows. You had to pick your best show um, uh, wow. that, you, that you thought was your best show. And then basically you're sitting there waiting for three days, um, you know, uh, waiting for them to, to get back to you. Well, Jackie and I made it. We're on. <laughs> you Stitcher. Um, which I, is, I have to say Stitcher is. Um, some really interesting shows, and and I think it, the reason why it's it's um you go through have to go through a process is they really want good shows on there. Yeah, they don't approve just anybody. The uh uh you know so um the thing about it is a Stitcher is anybody that is interested, especially in other podcast material. Um, you know, which they have a, a bazillion categories over there. Uh, they have an iPhone app. Um, an Android app, I believe, and as well as you can get stuff at Stitcher.com. Um, so it's a really, really nice um, uh, platform. You only have to sign up for it with your Facebook account um, or your Twitter account, whichever you have. Um, and it's really, really good quality material. So basically, you know, if you don't get us on iTunes, that's also another place that you can um, get the show. And they also carry all of our ar- archives since episode one. 
Um, Did you know? Yeah, which was nice. like a million years ago um, at this point. In radio time, it was like 100 years ago. Um, right. You know, because <laughs> I'm telling you, in radio, a month is like a year. Um, you know, so. <laughs> well, Stitcher's kind of cool because they have, um, well, you know, I'm kind of a dork at times. I like a lot of d- different NPR shows, and um, and they have This American Life, and they have some, um, they have um, The Nerdist, I think, too, right? Yeah. So, so they have. I mean, really, the the shows that that are um, internet radio that they really define internet radio. So, and we're in good company, baby. Well, here is the thing: you also had to supply, you know, listenership, mm-hmm. um, and they don't take anybody that has less than X amount. I forget the amount of downloads. Uh, X amount of downloads. I believe it was anybody that has less than ten thousand downloads a week. Um, oh. We have more than that, so uh, I know we really we graduated, didn't we? Yeah, we graduated a while ago, but uh, <laughs> uh, so you know it was able to get through, and I did send them our biggest show, which was the first episode on uh, values, which had um, almost twenty thousand listeners. So it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, uh, so what's been going on with you, Jackie? Getting ready for going to Denver to the trade show, the New Age trade show. That has been. It's been, you know, this past year, uh, and you warned us all, astrologically, I would just like yeah. to say that you did warn us all, um, that it's been, it's really been a time of rediscovery for everybody where you're ripping and tearing away what doesn't work, and mm-hmm. so we have a brand new catalog, a brand new look coming out, um, and just, I'm very excited, I'm really excited about going, I'm excited that this is my, um, I believe... I believe this is my last trip for the year too, so I get to be at home for a while. Yeah. And um so then I'm really excited about that. Maybe you'll come visit me though that I'm gonna be home. Um I'm just kidding. No you can ask. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> Actually, you know what I say to people now, Jackie? What what do you say? I'll have a conversation with God about that one. <laughs> I need to meditate on that one for a little while. You know, um, uh, uh, wherever the spirit drives me at this point, it drove me all the way to Georgia. So you never right. know where it's going to bring me. Oh, and you know, you know, you're always welcome, and I would yeah. love to see you. But I, um, but you know, when when that happens, it happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, honey, I'm in no rush. <laughs> The, uh, the uh, well, there is a lot of changes, and one of the things that I'm, I think is going to be interesting that we will talk about when you get back. Um, uh, we don't have a show next week, by the way. We do have one the following um, week uh, in the month of I'll July. Be in, I'll be coming back from Denver at that point. Yeah, um, I want to hear from you about the new stuff because I'm just going to be blunt and honest because you know that I'm that I'm very ballsy on the air. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at the training programs. And which I'm doing a lot of right now, um, and the stuff from the life coaching field. Mm-hmm. Um, it appears to me, Jackie, that they're all ten years ahead of the new age field. Um, and it's interesting to see if the you know from your report coming back, if the new age industry is starting to slowly start to catch up because it is. Um, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, a um, a podcast the other day, and basically that they said you know pretty much that the new age movement is kind of dead. I don't think it's dead, but I, but there's a really interesting this interesting conversations that I've been having with people. Yeah. Um, and um, I think what it is, I don't think it's dead. I think it's expanded. 
Um, it's expanded to a place where it's normal. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, that is screwing us up. Is that we think that so it, what happens is like um, you know these different things like you would have to go to a specialty store for or come outside of your life for you don't happen you don't have to anymore. Well, like for instance, think about um, vitamins. Yeah. Okay, yes, there's specialty stores on vitamins where you have the best vitamins. You can get all the help in the world on it. But I was in um, Myers, and that's that's in the Michigan area, yeah. Myers Thrifty Acres, kind of like a Walmart but cooler. Um, they have a huge, a huge vitamin section. Yeah. Walmart has a huge vitamin section. Kmart has a huge vitamin section. The grocery store has a huge, huge vitamin section. And you know what? They carry some of the higher-end vitamins that you would have to go to the vitamin store for. Yeah. Does that mean that, that health is dead? No, that means it's normal now. Yeah. It's becoming more and more normal. You don't have to step outside of yourself with that. And so, um, but what we have is, is we have, I think we're talking different generations. Yeah. So, well, what I'm seeing here is that more the metaphysical field is slowly gravitating more into the self-improvement field. And the thing here is is that the people that are doing self-improvement, this is my concern, Jackie, the people that are doing hardcore self-improvement seem to be ages beyond the New Age movement at the moment. Well, yes, because I think we're jumping off of each other. I think what we're doing is we're creating that ladder of, of evolution, so, way back in the day, you have the Spiritist movement that brought some of the Eastern philosophy into the, into the Americas. Yeah. And they really stopped at a certain point. It was um it was very limited in its view and very very hard and harsh and and a lot of um personal a lot of study. I mean, you really had to go the the go, go the, the long way and and meditate and do all that stuff. Then you have that kind of gave birth to um, the neo-pagan movement where some of the paganism um, things came back yeah. and, and it was becoming a little more acceptable, the days of Aleister Crowley. And, and, and so that kind of came back. And then that gave birth, all those things together, then, then it was the Native American movement came up, and then, but at the same time, the New Age movement came up, and then more neo paganism came up, and and now um, conjure work is becoming normal. So the next thing is evolving to the next thing, and so all of this, all of this stuff has laid the groundwork so that when I go into um, to an entrepreneurial training group, and they talk about return on heartbeats. Um, a, a balanced life. What are you manifesting? What you think you manifest? What you fo- all of this stuff yeah. that that twenty years ago was hokum. Yeah. So it's um, so so it's. I think it's one leading to the next to the next. So I don't think the the new age movement is dead. I think it's evolving, and either you evolve with it or you become obsolete. And that's all of life. And and uh, Monica, who my niece who works with us now, she was talking about how she was listening to this really cool podcast. She's a podcast listener. Yeah. You know what she does? She goes to Stitcher and finds them all the cool, call, all the cool ones. So she was listening to this one podcast on business, and they were saying that the companies that have survived over a hundred years, yeah, have done so by radically reinventing themselves along the way. So they've followed the evolution. Yeah. Even the companies that have lasted 50 years have had some radical reinvention of themselves. 
Yeah, and I would like to see basically what a lot of the traditional publishers um, um, and the traditional product makers plan on doing in regards to catching up, basically, um, with uh, uh, with the digital movement, because it is an area in which I think, metaphysically, that they're pretty far behind. Um, I think... I do think, and this is a conversation that you and I, and and this is going to maybe piss some people off, but we love when we do that. I think Hay House is one of the only publishers that's doing that. Yeah. I am really... Of the New Age movement. Yeah, I'm really, really impressed, basically, by their, um, uh, you know, whatever it is that you think about their, uh, you know, their authors or the the stuff that they put out. That's irrelevant to me at this particular point, Jackie, because, you know, I pretty much studied everything in metaphysics at this point. Um, uh, Oh, but there's always... Yeah, there's always more, but, you know, I pretty much, you know, glazed over everything. But in regards to their particular packaging and the way that they put it out there in the ease, uh, the ease of use for the particular customer and mm-hmm. um, uh, the way that they have many different listening options, um, uh, you know, and delivery options, um, you know, whether you want to get it on book, whether you want to get it on audio, whether you want to get it in a course, you know, you have many different ways of accessing their particular material. And I think that that is kind of um, the movement that is kind of moving forward. I remember... Um, when I got my first Kindle five years ago, when Kindle One came out, um, you know that the publishing industry was basically, you know, throwing themselves off of a freaking bridge, basically, um, because of the fact that they were having a large amount of difficulty in regards to embracing this whole new medium that did not involve, uh, uh, you know, having to send in your book to a publisher and you know all of this other stuff, um, and they thought that it was going to pretty much, you know, destroy. Um, the, the movement is, you know, the writing industry as we knew it, and it did. As um, we knew it, did not as a whole. But it didn't destroy it as a whole. It made new options that were available for people that may have had enormous amounts of t- talent, but um, uh, you know, either weren't taken seriously or didn't have the particular connections. Uh, and you know, it's opened a new kind of pathway for many, many different people. The other thing that it's done is, you know, here is the thing: is that if Joe Schmo, that's never written a book, is writing a book as good as Stephen King, that means Stephen King's gonna have to up his game. Well, I think what happens is that you can um, not not every book needs to be a bestseller. So if you think about the music industry and the publishing industry, is is because of how expensive and the, because of the way things have changed. Before they're going to put a um, put a book to paper or put yeah. um, burn some CDs and promote that because that's where most of the expenses. The expenses in a lot of the promotion is not necessarily in in the manufacturing because there's a lot of print on demand and a lot of uh, a lot of these publishers of any media are going to is print on demand um but it's the marketing now here's the thing is that um now you don't have to write a bestseller now you can write a really awesome this book this is coming from somebody that's a bestseller <laughs> you can write a really awesome rolls book eyes insert rolls eyes here go ahead <laughs> you can i you know what I, and i'm really proud of that and i and i have to thank you a lot for that because you helped me get there um uh, but you don't have to be a bestseller to to you don't have to commit to um, making sure you can do ten thousand um, copies in a, yeah. in a year. You can do a thousand, hit those thousand people, and that information is out there. So this is where the freedom of information kind of comes out. Although on the flip side of that, then you have to weed through a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
the, it may not be great. Yeah, that may not be great. Um, and uh, But still, I think that the particular user experience, I think, is changing. And, you know, this is a great segue into, you know, somebody had asked me about – you know, that we've been talking about Venus and having Venus to do its values. And they asked me about, well, you know, what about social values and, um, uh, you know, uh, human being um, uh, uh, values. Um, the, the issue is, is that it has to do with Pluto. Um, and Pluto is currently in Capricorn, which I have, uh, you know, looked at, we talked about that a million times, but basically, when Pluto goes to Capricorn, and this means through every single industry, um, the structure and everything that is not working within structured, organized um, uh, uh, companies, governments, anything that's really organized, the structure of it, what is no longer usable, is going to be torn down, and it's going to be replaced with something that is more usable. And that's why I think that we're seeing such a radical shift. Uh, basically, um, uh, through this, you know, there's an interesting mm-hmm. question in the chat room that said, um, "Hasn't the quality of books getting published gone down because of that?" Um, the answer is no. Um, when you sit and you look at uh, the amount of stuff that is being published now. What it's going on is based upon the user particular experience right now um, because of, uh, uh, you know, if you read a particular book and that it's a, you know, a trash book, it's very, very easy now for you to comment upon that. And somebody won't be successful as a result of that. An author won't be successful. Where it is doing very, very well is that um, authors that would not ordinarily be looked at because of the fact that they don't have the quote unquote um, uh, political alliances or you know that they can't afford a literary agent or right. um, they can't afford a publishing house or they don't want to get involved in um, uh, you know the politics of publishing, which has dominated pretty much uh, the industry for for years um, are now able to publish a book and there's a girl for example um, on on the Kindle last year that sold one million copies. Mm-hmm. of her particular books. One million copies. She made four and a half million dollars. She's 19 years old. Imagine imagine Celestine Prophecy. Do you remember Celestine Prophecy was a self-published book? He yeah. talked his whole world to publish this book. Yeah. And that's when, that's when it was so expensive to do this. And he sold this book out of his trunk and he sold all these. And then I think Time Warner got a hold of it and zoom. But, but, um, can you imagine if he was able to do this in this way? That I mean, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the ability of of something that was turned down over and over again um, to be able to do that. Now, honestly, my my three favorite business books yeah. are all self published, and they have all changed my world. Yeah, it, it it is interesting. You know, I I know both Sean Platt and David Wright, who wrote the um, yesterday's uh, Gone series on um, the, the Kindle, and one of the things that they do is, of course, you know, they now have you know somebody that they send their stuff to to be edited, mm-hmm. and uh, all this other stuff. But they've really kind of reinvented the serial from the you know which was popular in the 1800s. It became less popular in the. Uh, the 1900s. Now it's kind of come back because people want to read their Kindle as you know they're in the taxi on the way to work, or they're you know on the bus, or they're waiting in the 
the, the checkout line. So they're wanting to reach shorter amounts of material, but released in a faster capacity, to the point that even many mainstream authors at this particular point are starting to relook at the serial rather than the huge novel. Well, there's a whole section in, in Kindle called Kindle Serious, yeah. Kindle Singles. Yeah, and so these are. This is a so it's a freedom that that different authors have. So I, we're, you know, we can go on and on. Yeah. And yeah, you know, the bad editing that happens when you're churning out books and you're not getting an editor. But when you're reading Kindle porn, who cares? <laughs> um, and that's really where you're going to find some of the the bad the bad stuff in the fiction. But but uh, people vet each other out, and there's going to be pluses and minuses to everything. But I guess what I'm saying is that. Um, with the change and all this stuff, yes. it's really how are things evolving? Like, look what the, the music industry has gone to singles rather than CDs, right? And they're releasing stuff on MP3 and they're releasing stuff on the internet before they're releasing. So, so it took them a while to get there. So we kind of have to look at, at at their personal meltdown on all of this. And I'm going to say this: yes, it is so much easier to pirate. Yeah. But because it's that much easier to pirate, um, I guess the thing is is that understand that that might be part of the program. And that's why these new programs are coming in saying, hey, you buy my book, show me you bought my book, and then you get to do this and this and this. Yeah, well, basically, you know, what, you, what you're seeing in regards to the particular trends, and it's what I think that Amazon is showing big time, is the, the direct change in regards to values at this particular point. Um, uh, uh, and basically, um, uh, the values at this particular time is that people want many, many options, um, and they want to be able to choose what it is that they find enjoyable. Um, uh, you know, and you're seeing the particular change and shift of that, that that is beginning to occur, which will continue, by the way, until 2023. Okay, um, uh, so it's definitely pretty interesting. Somebody brought up Tumblr. Um, they they said that there's a lot of quote Kindle porn type stuff on Tumblr, and I'm like, oh, oh I'm, I'm I don't. Oh, Tumblr, don't tell so. Jackie that she'll be there all night. Uh, <laughs> you may have created a a monster with that one. Uh, the uh, <laughs> she'll be at home double clicking. Um, the I'm only uh, taking notes for when I start writing. <laughs> I already wrote mine, so <laughs> uh, yeah. People are a little critical of that. Who cares? Um, but uh, but yeah, you know the particular values of. Uh, what it is that we're interested in, what it is that we're expecting out of companies. And, you know, basically I think that the reason that that is occurring, Jackie, is that we're starting to change in regards to what it is that we value out of our lives um, and what gives us particular meaning. And I think that the the macrocosm um, is basically mirroring in many ways the microcosm of what is going on inside of people. Is it always? Um, Yeah. And, you know, it, it's pretty interesting. Of course, you know, sometimes it takes society a little bit longer, you know, because unfortunately we can't send them to psychotherapy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. We've got to well, take a break. It gets, Oprah's off the air now. Yeah, Oprah's off the air. <laughs> uh, we, we have to take a break. Jackie and I'll be right back in a flash. We're going to talk about Venus, what it is that you value, and where you're going to get it. Venus in the houses will be next. Don't touch that dial. Everybody comes to Hollywood 
you know, looking at values. And then on my website, you can go to, which is FirmSestavani.com, you can go to and look at Venus in the sign and how it operates and things of that nature. You really did a great job on that article, by the way, Jeff. Oh, thanks. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Venus is in the sign, which is the clothes, the particular clothing that Venus is going to wear. Now we're going to show you how, where she lives, basically. What is the best domain, basically, for you to access Venus and also get to the root of your true values. Again, I would recommend people go through the blog and listen to last week's show as well to kind of get a um, a full understanding um, of Venus. And it, she is the goddess of love, but also she rules values um, in the horoscope, and it's kind of through that particular lens that Jackie and I are going to be looking at this. Um, Jackie, one of the interesting things about the horoscope in general, which I'm going to explain, first of all, is that the house system uh, reflects a particular level of of experience that we go through during the course of a lifetime. Okay. So the first house, which is known as the ascendant, um, is basically where you're born. Okay, so uh, where you're born, what the particular experience of life that you expect to be your journey, okay? Um, as you begin to go around that particular wheel, okay, there's certain things that are going to begin to occur, and it seems to reflect in a very archetypal sort of way basically what it is that we experience as we grow as a human being. For example, you have the birth at the first house. The second house seems to reflect uh, the physical body, um, uh, it has to do with understanding that we're an individual on our own that's a little bit separate from mommy and daddy. The third house is when we experience the environment um, um, and how we begin to access data in order to understand and conceptualize basically what's going on around us. It's also the house of brothers and sisters, and that's usually where, you know, when we're young, um, we experience those particular uh, circumstances. The fourth house has to do with the family. So you move from uh, to understanding the environment to understanding that you have a family. Okay. In the fifth house, you start to understand that you're creative and on your own, and you can become all that you can be. Um, in the sixth house is basically where you uh, you begin to uh, start to learn things and start to apply things in a practical sort of ritualistic way. And usually, when they get to this, when you get to the sixth house, Jackie, you're right at about school time. Okay, so like um, kindergarten, uh, first grade, you know, that's when people start to under, you know, start to do something in more of a structure, structured um, way. The seventh house is where we begin to start to have relationships with others. That's the house opposite of the first house. So first house is me, seventh house is you. Um, so then we begin to have relationships. The eighth house is basically um, what happens to us after we have relationships. In other words, there's something mysterious. I mean, we could do a whole show on this, this house alone. Um, uh, there's something that mysterious that happens in the eighth house. Um, first of all, it shows our particular inheritance, that, psychological inheritance from our parents. And it also shows that strange thing that happens to us after we get involved in a relationship. Um, and we can't go back to the person that we were before that relationship. In other words, relationships in some ways tends to um, alter us 
in a large way. And David in the chat room says that, you know, the mafia house, it really is, because, you know, once you experience it, you can't, um, uh, you know, you can't go back to having not experienced it. You can never um, unsee it. You can never undo it. It's, it's a complete <laughs> transformation once you get to that particular point. Um, the ninth house is when you begin to have a belief system of your own, which actually begins to occur in the teenage years. Um, uh, the 10th house has to do with your profession and the way that the world views you. Um, the 11th house has to do with groups and social circumstances and friends. So it has to do with your social circle. And the 12th house, ha 12th house has to do with um, return. It's a wrapping up house. Um, in other words, it's a, a return basically to that larger collective, um, uh, uh, you know, and returning back to the source type of house, which is very, very confusing. And Jackie and I will be spending a bit of time on that, especially with Venus. Um, now, Venus, again, um, let me ask you, Jackie. I'm just, we're going to see how much you've learned. Oh, Lord. Okay. Explain to me what Venus is in the horoscope. Well, do you want the clean version or the dirty version? I don't want the soft core, core porn version. <laughs> <laughs> Although she is that. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So so the way I see Venus is, is Venus is um, your gratification. Maybe not instant, but um, kind of your reward. Um, this is where you feel that um, um, you take care of yourself. Um, this is where um, you, I'm not going to say nurture yourself, but more reward yourself mm -hmm. for, for job well done. This is the passion that drives you um, forward. This is the passion that, passion is an amazing, um, uh, it's like jet fuel. Because yeah. it'll drive you forward when, when no one else likes the idea and you're worn out and and you've worked and worked and worked, passion will get you through to the next thing. That's why people will, you know, learn how to play guitar. Their fingers are bleeding, but they have passion for it, so they just keep going. Um, that's If you don't have it, you can't keep going. So so there's, there's that. And then that's why um, we connect values there is because values are what you do, is what you value, what's important to you, and where you get your reward versus needs, which is a whole other ballgame, and I think we all confuse that. Yeah. Um, your values are, even when they're altruistic values. I mean, we a lot of times we're we're told that our values are things like giving to others and doing it to others as others do it to you, that kind of thing. But it can be, that absolutely can be values. But you get a reward for it at the end. Yes. And we don't do something that we don't get rewarded for. Even that volunteerism, we get a charge and a reward for it. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm learning that in a new way, and I love it. Um, working with kids and stuff like that, but um, that's that's where Venus has come from, and and also that passion because we're a different kind of passion, that romantic or lustful, not even romantic, more that lustful passion, where we get a little greedy with our sexual needs as well. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 Venus, Venus goes greedy. Don't tell me that's a dirty word. I mean, that's not a bad word because that's. That's where you learn where your boundaries are. That's when you learn how to take care of yourself. But so many times we're taught that that's greedy. Mm -hmm. um, we're very disconnected from Venus, I believe. Yes. Extremely. I think so, too. I think so, too, because this is our lustiness. But, but guess what happens with passion? You get lusty about life. You you find that, that awesome 
that awesome passion of, yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. And there's a charge and a reward and, and shall I say, emotional orgasm that that you get in, in doing these things. Yeah. And that's why the universe created Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, that's why the universe created Tumblr. Oh, my God. I'm going to be on Tumblr all night. Thank you, Sean, um, for that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, the things that may be going on over here tonight may be a little bit too profane for blog talk. Um, uh, but uh, the uh, the interesting thing also with Venus is that Venus really, um, it is through what it is that we love, through what it is that we enjoy, and also what it is that brings us joy um, is oh, going yeah. to be what our values are based upon. And so how did I do with my test, by the way? You did well. You got a 90. Okay. Um, <laughs> you got, but, you know, nobody would ever be able to get a 100 with me. You know, I got too much Virgo for that to be going on. <laughs> um, uh, I don't even believe in perfection. So uh, the uh, with the houses, the difference with the houses, we did the signs last week. Like I said, it's the close. The houses is where it's going to be very easy for you to find it. Okay, now Jackie and I both have Venus in the 12th house. If you want to get a copy of a chart, go to my website. At the top of the page, it says astrology, a free astrology chart. Mm-hmm. Click on that, and then you're brought to a particular page that will allow you to cast your own horoscope to find out what house that your Venus is in. Um, starting with the first house, like I said earlier, the first house is, um, and this is where Jackie's going to bring her magic on in, so y'all get your notebooks out. Um, the first house has to do with what it is that they value is themselves. Um, uh, and, you know, a lot of, right away, Jackie, you're looking at, and Venus is not going to be real value there because, you know, you have everybody saying, oh, you know, that that person has narcissistic personality disorder and they're obsessed with themselves and things of that particular nature. The, The interesting thing with the first house is that in order for this individual to be able to relate more so than any other placement, it has to understand themselves on a very, very deep level. So it's necessary for them to find a balance and equilibrium um, in their relationships with others by being able to take care of themselves first. So it's natural with Venus, Jackie, for us to look outside of ourselves onto our partners, our friends, our parents. You know, we may seek Venus in a lot of different places, and we do. We even seek it out on Tumblr, according to Sean. So, um, uh, you know, usually with Astroclide, but, um, you know, we, we find it on Tumblr. Um, but basically, uh, you know, the, the main circumstance with it is, is that with the person with Venus in the first, the main thing that they have to focus on is what brings them personal value. And you can get into a lot of trouble. Um, if Venus is well-aspected, that person means that the person will be able to develop a good relationship with themselves and it ought not be problematic. If it's not well-aspected, meaning squares and oppositions, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the chart. So you can look down your little grid when you cast your chart, and if you see squares and oppositions to Venus, you know that there may be um, uh, problems and or difficulties in regards to your Venus functioning. And therefore, it may be very, very difficult for you to express in a healthy way the elements of that particular house. So when Venus is in that aspect in the first house, Basically, what will happen is that the individual's self-esteem or their confidence will be easily influenced by others around them. So having that, Jackie, that knowledge, throw some candles. Okay. So you just gave me a giant mouthful. So Venus in your first house means your values are basically about yourself. Yes. 
um, you have to, you put your you're able to put yourself first. No matter what sign it's in, you're able to put yeah. your your own needs you about need to, that yeah. first. So um, so you can combine that with any with what sign your Venus is in, and then just just take a look at that. So that and if it's if it's opposed, then you're always conflicted about putting yourself first. Yes. Um, in a nutshell, correct? Yes. Okay. So with putting yourself first, so owning that, uh, since since a lot of the theme that we're talking about is feeling disconnected from your Venus. Okay, that's yeah. going to be some guilt and feeling greedy, um, and that you're always conflicted, and then you get pissed off. There's that thing about that's going to happen is that. You need to put yourself first. That's what you really value. You're taught never to put yourself first because it's too egocentric and too narcissistic and that you don't put yourself first. So Venus in the first house, can you be a little narcissistic? If it's if it's badly... You can. If it's badly influenced, it could definitely lead to narcissistic personality disorder or anything, you know, aligned with a pre... In, in England, they call it pre-de-integrate syndrome, which is a great insult, I guess, you pre-de-integrate. Um, but, uh, yeah, it can lead to those particular types of problems if you're not expressing um, that Venus well. You have to look at what narcissism is. Narcissism is like um, uh, a donut. There's no central core to that individual at all. Everything is based upon what other people want. Okay, so um, using our theme that we started last week, which yeah. is starting with either the inner beauty or the Aphrodite candle, and then the candle for your sign of what Venus, what sign your Venus is in. And then I would add this third candle, which is about the house. And since that first house is about me, would you say that would be the sun candle, the male energies? Yeah. So the male energy is the sun is is where um, because what you're doing is you're kind of shining your light brighter about yourself and allowing yourself to put yourself first. Wouldn't it be crazy if you had Venus and Cancer in the first house mm-hmm. and it's opposed? Hoy vey. I, I, Venus and Cancer would be very very difficult. Um, being in the first house, okay. So that Venus and Cancer. Um, is already going to be predisposed to valuing family, okay? Um, in the first house, and it being, you know, if it's, it's, if it's positive aspect, say you've got Venus and trying to Jupiter, um, this person's going to love it. It's going to absolutely have no problem with taking care of their family, and that's where it's going to derive its satisfaction with maybe taking a second step back. They admire their children. They take their children to soccer fields. They take their children to dance class. They do all of these particular circumstances. Um, uh, and Sean has Venus in Cancer in the first year. About to get a lesson here, buddy. Um, uh, so, uh, and your house, what what house is going to be in is really going to you. You'll need to know when you were born. Yeah, and basically, when you have that Venus um, in in the in the first house, it's also sh- and it's ill and it's positively aspect. That means that the person's going to get along fine with that. Where it's going to be difficult is going to be where it's where there's difficulty. Say there's a a square to your or a square to Saturn, you know, that particular Venus is always going to feel that it's giving itself up for something else other than itself. Mm-hmm. So basically the key to that is is having to sit down and look at what it is that you really want, okay, and also getting a little bit of that that piece of the pie in order for you to enjoy the whole meal. So, you know, if, if a person was to sit down, say, Sean, he's in the chat room, he was to sit down in front of me, I would say, you know what? I know a little bit about Sean, so um, you know. You're I mean, I'm so glad you pronounced the 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 name because it's all 
Bell yeah. So, so basically, um, uh, you know, you uh, you care about other people. You're in the healing field. Um, you have a tendency to uh, want to care about and be compassionate of others on, on on a deeper level. Okay, if it is. Negative, if it's positively aspect, that's fine and dandy, okay? That's where he derives his self-satisfaction from. Um, that's going to give him a sense of me, okay? If, it's, if there is a square or an opposition to it, there's always going to be the what about me in the back of the head, okay? So this is, this is really interesting, and this shows you how, um, how you start to relate to your, your entire life. I, I'm, I'm, this yes. Is, you know, you can go for hours. Well, obviously, people do. They go for hours just on one chart. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is pretty interesting. So, you know, that is the thing to understand. For example, into the second house, okay, um, the second house has to do with with money and physical possessions, um, and that interpretation is true on one level, okay. But the roots of what money and physical possessions really represent to us is really the quest for income and the quest for money in order to go out into the world to purchase goods or services that which, which bring us joy, okay? So the second house has to do with how do we go out into the world and get what it is that we want in order for it to bring us some form of, uh, of joy and value. Why would you purchase a $100 bottle of perfume um, if it didn't make you smell pretty or make others attracted to you? You just wouldn't do it, okay? So if that's what it is that you – with Venus in the second, they're going to value things uh, of that particular nature, okay? So <laughs> if that Venus is um, positively aspect tracking, um, uh, you know, this person is going to feel comfortable with their body. They're going to be comfortable with what it is that they go out and do. Um, they're going to be comfortable with um, uh, the way that they appear um, uh, to other people. They're going to be very, very comfortable in that atmosphere. They're going to feel attractive, okay? If it's not well aspected, Jackie, it's, and, and it begins to act in a – and the person is at the roots of what it is, you know, what that Venus is for them, okay? Mm-hmm. So say you have a Venus in um, Leo, the need to feel special, okay, um, uh, in the second house, but it's like a, a negative aspect of Saturn. Basically, the person the whole time is never going to feel special enough, so getting to the roots of that, that what it is that they, you know, what it is that they value here is really circumstances in their life that they're going to bring joy is often the root out of that not feeling attractive enough imagery. That's interesting. Now, now my daughter has Venus in the second house in Capricorn. Yeah. She's always and, going to be worried about what other people think about her. Um, and, and she is uh, squared Saturn and Mars. Yeah. So um so that's that's interesting and because she gets really um freaked out about money. Yeah. And she will completely move into a place of denial concerning money. Like I well we don't have enough money to eat so I'll just eat ramen noodles and rather than it's just really interesting. Well, with her, Saturn usually reflects the lack, Jackie. So there is a huge gigantic fear of not having enough of. Mhm. So basically, with, if Rebecca was sitting in front of me, I would say, you know what, Rebecca, what are the little things in your life that bring you joy? Right. And you start to build a relationship with there, okay? Because the circumstance here is is that if you don't get a grip on that early enough, what happens is is that you're 45, you own a multi-billion dollar company, and you're constantly worried about not having enough. Because right. basically what your value is is simply attaining money, not what money can get for you. So what I would say as far as candles go, so Venus being second house, no matter what sign it's in, it's in because 
you're talking about the physical body, the tangible yeah. money thing, understanding your individual place in the world, yes, your own individuality. Um, I would absolutely use the prosperity candle with that because the prosperity candle is more than just money, money, bringing money. That's the money draw candle. Prosperity candle is about bringing a balance and a healing to how you interact with money in your life and its place in your life. So that's why I would I would use the, specifically the Blessed Herbal Prosperity Candle. Or I would use the Full Moon Candle because that brings that fullness and that completeness and having enough and being full. Yeah. Um, and understanding when you're full. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, the way to do it. And, you know, these candle suggestions that Jackie are doing is also good in regards to helping to integrate that Venus, especially if you have... Um, uh, it ill dignified. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that that helps bring it into balance. With either side of it, either it helps you get get connected with it or when it's ill dignified help you help show you what it feels like when it's working right, when it's vibing on the right right yeah. level. Uh, the third house is um interesting. Uh when I was working on this house, Jackie, it's naturally the house of communication. So I sat around for a little while and thought, what does language really why do we need to speak? Why do we need languages? Um and really, simply put, it's our ability to communicate which provides us with the ability to express ourselves as unique individuals and allows us to learn rules, laws and limitations of our environment. Um, we learn to perceive, we learn to discern, we learn to act and react to the conditions that are basically around us. And when Venus is placed in this house, it reflects that there is a natural ability to see um, the more harmonious um, side of life. Um, you know, In other words, usually somebody with Venus in the third house, um, Jackie, will always see the, the world as kind of, the glass is kind of half full rather than half empty. Um, well, I also see that somebody gets stuck in their head. Uh, if it's ill-dignified. Right. Um, uh, Venus loves expression. It loves communication. Uh, you know, they tend to have positive relationships with their siblings. Um, positive aspects to Venus will only enhance the positive attitudes and qualities uh, of this particular placement. If Venus is badly aspected, one's attitude towards life are unrealistic and can result in disappointment or depression. And I'm going to say, I, I got a real, really clear picture again, using, starting with that inner beauty or Aphrodite candle, the candle for your um, what sign Venus is in, and then for the third house. And the, what I'm seeing is the candles for that house are going to help bring it all into alignment and kind of heal some of that ill-dignified, balance it out. And I see the heart candle for that, the heart blessed herbal candle, because when you get too stuck in your head, yeah, and you're not speaking from your heart, you're getting too logical and you're missing out how you really feel about something. And and so I'm going to say for communicating what, what you said, just tagging on to what you said, it's also to give language, um, because we can't read each other's mind, to give a language to how you're feeling. Yeah. And how how you're how you're being affected by the world around you. I mean, because that's what painting and communication to me includes some of the some of the baseline creative stuff, maybe not the intensely creative stuff that we find in the fifth house, but um, but we need to be, um, sometimes we get a little too heady, a little too Spock, a little too analytical. Um, we lose connection. So I, I just see that as bringing that. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree with you. Okay. The fourth house has to do with this spiritual milk you were fed 
as a child. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love the way you said that. That just tickled me. The spiritual milk. The spiritual um, milk. The spiritual milk. Yeah, exactly. Um, the fourth house has a lot to do with one's early childhood, um, uh, the home and the father figure. Um, in other words, it's the house of our roots, um, and it's the essence from what we spring spring from. And a lot of, you know, what it is that we learn in our early childhood, it basically really um, describes how it is that we're going to see life in many ways um, uh, in regards to our future. It's our early, very early education, often before somebody gets to kindergarten, that um, can really decide the fate of a child more so than anything else. Venus in the fourth house values peace and harmony within the home. They're very, very, you know, home-oriented and associated. Um, uh, you know, somebody with this particular place, placement can become, you know, the mediator in the household, Jackie, when everything starts going a little bit crazy, um, especially if there's strife or discord, which Venus really doesn't like too much. Um, you know, so it, it kind of can keep the peace, but it also sees Venus. It, usually Venus in the fourth will see the household, um, in a very, very positive way, if it is aspected very, very well. Um, however, if Venus is badly aspected, again, squares and oppositions, um, problems regarding an idealized vision of life could result in deep feelings of insecurity and dependence on others in order to fulfill their needs. Okay, So it's kind of like if it's um, ill-dignified with this, basically you know, that there's often a lot of childhood issues that the individual has to deal with, specifically in regards to the father. Interesting. So what I'm going to say to that is that um, as you were talking, I keep going back to the happy home, peace, and serenity. Yeah. Because that is what um, that's what you need. That's what you're looking at with that. Um, that's just kind of how I see that that rolling is is the happy home, peace, and serenity because that's your ultimate goal. And yeah. if if you if you're ill dignified in that, it's still your ultimate goal, and you still keep striving for it, but then missing the mark on it. So again, I'm looking at this as to hold that vibrational space so you can learn what it's like to be in that place. Well, I, I think that also, you know, the job, you know, and this is the things. Um, uh, that I think that people need to hear over and over in this day and age, okay? You're not responsible for your beginning, but you are responsible for your ending. Um, and with somebody with Venus in the fourth house, especially if it is ill-dignified, I usually spend an enormous amount of time with them healing a lot of childhood problems. In a lot of ways, Jackie, people with Venus in the fourth, they idealize father on a great level. Okay, and any time that you idealize something to an extreme, okay, basically what will happen is, is that the moment that they show that they're human beings, you become very, very disappointed in them. Um, so when you have Venus in the fourth house, there's this expectation automatically that Father is going to be this wonderful, beautiful, um, uh, graceful, balanced, perfect individual. Okay, mm -hmm. and then there's an ogre sitting in the living room. Right, and so what? That's, I, I'm still coming back to the happy home candle because yeah. it helps ground you and root you, and get you connected to to that that positive space. 
Yeah, and, and also, you know, if people are having, you know, one of the things that I think that people miss a lot, okay, um, and this is, I'm sure Jackie will have a, and I will probably have a show on this next season, in season three. A lot of the problems and difficulties, Jackie, is that when you look at a chart, especially if they're coming to you with relationship problems, nine times out of ten, it's not the seventh house or the ruler of the seventh house or um, one's Venus even necessarily that is um, kind of messed up. It's oftentimes the fourth and the tenth house which is the parental axis in the horoscope, that is so screwed up that they're still trapped at four years old and trying to have relationships. So there's no emotional security. So in, rather than them getting involved with uh, an individual that is their equal, their equal partner or their equal spouse, okay, um, uh, you know, the problem then becomes they're still involved with mommy or daddy. And they're projecting that onto their onto their onto their spouses. So, you know, that's just a, a lot of times I think mm. that relationship healing really has to do more with that parental axis than it necessarily does the relationship planets. Interesting. The fifth house, um, it has to do with the sun. And the sun in the horoscope is the center of personality of the individual or the psychological ego. Um, it's our urge, in other words, to become more of who we are and develop ourselves creatively. Uh, Venus in the fifth house values the self. Now, this is different than valuing me. The self is the future. You, you know, it, it values something in the future. It values who you can be, who you want to strive towards. Um, uh, uh, so it is necessary for people with Venus in the fifth to attempt to find creative outlets where they are inspired that fulfill an inner mission rather than attempt to uh, find creative outlets uh, uh, that are just, you know, boring, meaningless type of tasks. Um, if Venus is well aspected in the fifth, then they achieve personal happiness rather easy. Um, and whatever plan that they're uh, uh, it's aspecting, um, you know, that they feel, uh, that, you know, that that will enhance it. If Venus is badly aspected in the fifth, uh, one will find a struggle in regards to finding out what they truly enjoy in life and having even the ability, Jackie, to go out and get what it is that they truly desire. It's interesting because um, I feel um, a little bit fiery with the fifth house and, yeah. and that that strength of will. We have a lot of will going on here, and you need that will to be creative. Yeah. Because when you don't have will in in your creative endeavors, and which which kind of in the chakras lines up, you kind of go, I don't know. Do you like that? Do you think it should go on with that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Is this a good painting? But when you have um, when you have will within your creativity, you go, you just go with it. Yeah. Just go with it. And so, um, but I'm also feeling like that future self. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm kind of talking this out of, of what I'm what I'm seeing. So I have, you know what, it's the crown of glory candle. All that stuff comes back to it's the crown of glory candle. It's fiery enough. It's future oriented. It's understanding your places in the world. It's the crown of glory. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with you. We have to take a break. Yes, we do. Jackie and I will be back in a flash for the rest of Keep It Magic. Do not touch that dial. Um, cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. If you have a problem in your life, regardless of what that problem is, we definitely have a candle for that, so check that out. Meanwhile, here's a little Florence in the Machine. Well.
welcome back to, uh, I'll say our name, Keep It Magic on Star Set Savani. <laughs> it is currently seven minutes after the hour of five on the East Coast, which means it's 2.07 p.m. on the West Coast and every single hour in between. Um, Jackie, the sixth house here, um, this is probably the most difficult placement for Venus um, uh, uh, in regards to the houses because the world of mundane responsibilities and duties and things that we need to do um, to function uh, as productive human beings, Venus could really care less about. Um, Venus. Yeah, so her natural Virgo. aptitude is rather stimmied. Venus, Virgo in the sixth house. That would be a psychotic mess. Um, uh, or... Or that would be somebody who just is totally like the ultimate homesteader. Yeah. Well, basically what it is that um, Venus in the sixth house values more so than anything else, okay, is cleanliness, good good hygiene. Uh, She values her tidy house. Her cooking utensils and that vacuum cleaner with all the gadgets that allows her to perform an efficient job. Okay, oh, so practicality um, and efficiency really mean a lot to her. You don't have it in the sex, so don't worry. Um, yeah, no, no, I was going to say Mrs. Cleaver. Yeah, it is very much uh, Mrs. Cleaver. If Venus is well-aspected, that whole mundane side of life of needing to get up at 6 a.m. and needing to feed the children and, you know, needing to brush one's teeth and needing to do the laundry and needing to clean the house and, uh, you know, the needing to do all of these particular things in order to make themselves efficient um, is is very uh, easy for them. It's something that they enjoy. You know, there's some people that actually enjoy cleaning their house. I don't know them personally, but they are. I do. Out there. Her name is Patty Shaw. Oh. <laughs> um, so basically, it's easy for them to to do those sorts of things. Now, if Venus is badly aspected in in the sixth house, then one can have problems with being able to cope with life, and they can constantly live in a state of discontent and uh, until these aspects are fully integrated. For example. Whenever I have seen this and it be badly uh, aspected and they've come to sit with me as a client, Jackie, every single thing that they talked to me about, there was a complaint. So I'm going to ask you, what candle do you think? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have, I have an idea, but I don't know if it's right. <laughs> I would do stability in Earth. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's what I, I would was do. I would, do, I would do. I would do the v, well, my, inner her. balance. I would do inner, inner beauty. Excuse me. Then I would do the sign, uh-huh. and then I would do um, uh, earth an earth candle to to ground them. Um, the reason being is. Do you that think they need more grounding then? Often, yeah. Okay, because they're resisting it. Yeah, because okay. it, it, because the problem here is is that in order for them to become happy, okay, they need that particular self-esteem in order to do it, okay? And oftentimes, when it's, especially in the sixth, take a look at it, Jackie, an individual that has a whole list of duties that they have to do throughout the day. Venus is in the sixth, so it's what it is that they value, but at the same time, oftentimes what it is that they're doing is that they're cutting off all of these asp- other areas of their lives because they simply don't have time for it. So 
So that that earth stability candle, okay, Mm -hmm. will give them more of that particular structure in order to possibly begin to get out of their body. And, you know, usually people that are that kind of obsessive about something, Jackie, it's usually a self-esteem issue underneath it anyways, okay? They feel comfortable doing it. It's part of their ritual. Um, They don't like chaos, so the outer world can sometimes be a little bit too chaotic for them. So that earth candle will kind of ground them. True, okay. Because that's, that's the vibe I was getting, is that yeah. I needed an earth candle to bring it all. I, what I see is the house starts to bring it all into balance. Yeah. So that's that's how I'm looking at each candle. Okay. Now, now the seventh yeah. house, Venus. there's three houses that Venus has a natural affinity in. The second house, um, which we talked about earlier. Um, the twelfth house, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, okay. And the seventh house, which reflects our need to have and our need to be in and have relationships is basically what Venus values, okay? Of course, this is, you know, it is a double-edged sword. It's her easiest placement, okay? Venus in mythology is the architect of relationships. She made, she didn't care how bad they were going to be. She didn't care if it was going to be a dysfunctional mess. She really, you know, she just liked making them. So basically, it explains a lot about, you know, oftentimes what it is that we're attracted to may not necessarily be what is good for us. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, you know, so basically, what Venus values is the ability to relate to others, and uh, she gets that the most in in the seventh. If she is good aspected, okay, relationships happen with ease. She doesn't have a lot of problems, okay. Um, if she's bad aspected, it can be a big, huge, gigantic, dysfunctional, crazy mess. Um, and, uh, you know, oftentimes the reason being is, like I said, Venus has a bit to do with idealization. Um, so once that individual that, that she becomes in love, and I'm sure that you've seen them walking around, Jackie, it's the individual that is comes to you for a reading. They just met somebody on Friday. Um, they're madly in love by Monday, okay? And then by the following weekend, they find out that the guy is not perfect anymore, and that boom, you know. Uh, so and then, you know, the next Monday it's, she's on to somebody else. But, uh uh, you know, they can really, really suffer through a lot of problems in regards to relationships as a result of it because they expect perfection out of who they're involved with. And uh, it can be very, very tricky and messy. I would, here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Love's Enchantment. The reason why is because Love's Enchantment is all about relationships. And, and it's, it's not just about love relationships. It's about every type of relationship you have. And it takes it to a deeper level. Um, what it what it does is it helps you get through your own fears and your own inadequacies to get to that deeper level to say how what's our gift to each other. By the way, one of the things to also keep in mind if you happen to see you know anybody that's listening that happens to be a reader in some way, if they find out that Venus in the seventh is ill aspected, Jackie, oftentimes the extreme relationship disorders can come in. One of the biggest is borderline. Oh, interesting. Um, so, you know, if you have Venus in square to Saturn or Venus in square to Uranus or Venus in square to Neptune or Venus in opposition to Chiron, um, uh, you know, oftentimes what it is that you will see is that borderline type of tendencies can come out in regards to their relationships. Um you know, because what it is, where they seek their emotional charge from is relationships. When they're not getting it from their particular partner, they will stir it up. Yeah. Um, because that's basically where they get all of their particular meaning. The eighth house. That's all I've got to say is oy vey. Um, now you're scaring people. 
He's looking at the chart going, no. <laughs> Here was the thing. Venus doesn't like the after relationship. She only likes the beginning of the other relationship. <laughs> uh, Venus, yeah, Venus could care less about after it started. She just wants to get you in them. Usually Venus in the eighth, Jackie, first of all. Um, uh, so maybe did I get it wrong? Should it be the love's enchantment in the eighth house? No, this is going to be probably okay. on crossing. Um, <laughs> the problem with the eighth house is usually when you see Venus in the eighth house, okay, usually the psychological inheritance from the parents is something that's there. If it's Venus, usually in most cases there's an issue in regards to relationships in that family line. So either they can come from extremely, you know, oftentimes what you will see, Jackie, is that um, you'll have Venus in the eighth if there is like an issue in regards to um, one of your parents being um, an alcoholic, okay? And there's extreme codependency issues, okay? The eighth house has to do with the underworld. What Venus, and the eighth house also has to do with our shared resources. It's what you and I, as pair have together, okay? So even if you were to do our composite chart, Jackie, the eighth house of our composite chart would would reflect what you and I as a team, as, uh, you know, in business together in regards to co-hosts, is what it is that we share together, the resources that we have, okay? So did you do our chart? Um, yeah, we we have um, uh, Taurus on the, on the eighth house. Um, so, so, so basically, you know, the thing that you have in regards to uh, uh, this particular Venus is that it is going to be those shared resources, what the couple has um, together that matters the most to them, okay? So as long as that exchange is beautiful and appropriate and beneficial and valuable and Venus is having a good time, she doesn't have a pro problem with it, okay? Um, in fact, she can make, if she's well-aspected, Venus in the eighth can really make their partner feel relaxed and satisfied and all of those other things. If she's ill-dignified, okay, the problem with this becomes is the darker aspect there, and Venus begins to feel very, very controlled. She begins to feel very, very manipulated, um, and it can bring up all of those issues in regards to codependency and love addiction and some of the darker elements of, of love. Um, uh, but here's the tricky thing. In a different way than the seventh, the seventh has to do with your relationship with the other. The eighth has to do with there's an issue in the family. With right, that. because it, to me, relationships, there's there's three people in a relationship, you, the other person, and then the relationship. Yes. So the eighth house is the relationship. So the eighth, actually, yes, and because of the fact that the way that I look at the eighth house also, it is generational curses. Okay, um, it is what it is that is passed down to us from generation to generation. And if you have Venus ill-dignified in that house, problematic relationships is what's been passed down to you. Here is the thing that people don't realize about their astrology chart. It's your chart. It's your responsibility to deal with it on some level. So I can see where you went, went with uncrossing on that one. Absolutely. Um, I can see how that... Because what you're doing is you're clearing a family curse, yeah. you're, feeling, you're clearing a generational curse, et cetera. So, yeah, I would have to agree with you 100%. Because, but I would also throw in, um, if it's really ill-dignified, gosh, I, the soulmate candle keeps coming. Because it puts in perspective, I mean, I really like the uncrossing, but I almost want to put uncrossing and soulmate together to give it, to, to uncross your 
your um, ideal or family curse concerning relationships. Yeah. And that soulmate is the person who brings you the toughest lesson in your life and, and hopefully the best joy. So so just uncrossing that that energy. So I put those two yeah. together. Yeah. Um, I would do that a little bit differently. I would do the uncrossing to kind of clear it out, and then I would rebuild them with a soulmate candle. Interesting. Okay. You know, so I would do probably a six-candle layer there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the eighth house is so difficult and complex, Jackie. Three candles may not be enough. You may need to schedule a consultation with Jackie. Um <laughs> To deal with that house, any planet usually in the eighth house is problematic on its own. Um, uh, so even um, you know the difficulty with Venus in the eighth house, if it's if it's well aspected, Jackie, is that they can go into that darker side of relationships, mm-hmm. but they like it. Oh, so they like stirring the pot. Uh, not even they. It, it doesn't matter to them. You know, the relationship in that particular chaotic experience and that darkness and that dysfunction kind of gets them off. They enjoy it. Ah, I see. Um, the ninth house. Ninth house has to do with what it is that we believe. Okay. Um, so basically, Venus in this particular aspect values beliefs. Um, you know, so oftentimes what you will see is, you know, somebody that is um, strongly spiritual or has, a, you know, a little bit of religious fervor or whatever, um, you will often see Venus in the ninth house. Now, if it's a good aspect of fine and dandy, you're going to get along with it fine. You're, uh, you're going to be comfortable with your belief system. You're going to be comfortable with um, your religious ideas and your philosophy and your need to learn uh, things at a much more larger level. If it's ill-dignified, oftentimes, Jackie, what happens is that um, the individual can become very, very dogmatic, okay? Um, and it can become um, uh, uh, almost evangelical in regards to uh, the way that it handles itself. God forbid it's actually in Sagittarius, too. God forbid, yes. <laughs> well, the ninth house is naturally Sagittarius, so uh, uh-huh. it's 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 a little bit difficult. Interesting. So um, it's interesting. I, I almost want to do scales of justice just, just to bring in that just balance. Mm-hmm. Does that sound weird? Does no, sound I much? actually agree because basically wherever you were going to go at the end, I was going to attach to it. Um, you know, basically what I feel that this particular uh, candle needs. I have, um, you know, my uh, my brother is a proselytizer, <laughs> but he's an atheistic proselytizer, <laughs> and he has so much a fervor in regards to what it is that he believes that he often doesn't understand that. You know what? Every single person on this planet has a right to believe what they want to believe. So I think that a scale of justice candle is perfect. Oh, yeah. Yep, because just being just. Yes. You know, relax, relax yourself. Relax now, yourself. So, Venus, okay. Venus in the 10th. Mm-hmm. Venus in the 10th has to do with how we appear to others. Um, it has to do with uh, how we want to be seen for our personal taste our um, grace, our style. You know, usually Venus and the Tenth are really, really good dressers and their their physical appearances, you know, relatively pristine um, because that's kind of what it is that they value. They value that particular appearance to the outer me. world. Come to me, come to me, come um, to me. I can't even get that out of my head. <laughs> they also um, desire and value harmonious working situations, okay, and their, val- their jobs, their careers are usually something that brings them a lot of joy. 
on one aspect, harmoniously aspected, okay, they get along great with that. You know, they get into the right job. You know, they, they're, they're able to feel attractive in front of other people. They, you know, everything kind of goes with these. Um, if it's negatively um, uh, uh, aspected, this can lead towards workaholism, and it can lead towards constantly being worried about what other people think about you enormously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I do think the come to me brings yeah. it into balance because I'm going to be attractive, I'm going to find my own beauty, but then a come to me or even a Cleo May. Mm-hmm. Is it Cleo May? No, it's come to me. Um, because come to me, you have um, a sense of self-esteem. Cleo May is a little too over overbearing. Yes. Um, it is. You know, David is saying the 10th house is the house before the public. Um, yeah, the 10th house is the house before the public, but it's also an institutionalized type of house. So the 10th is your particular appearance. It is the adjective after your name. In other words, Storm Sestavani radio host, Storm Sestavani astrologer, Storm Sestavani life coach, Jackie Smith candle maker. It is that particular way that you appear um, in front of the world that um, really uh, all I get, is, candle maker? is, 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 is important. Um, That's all I get? Yeah. <laughs> Jackie Smith candle maker, Jackie Smith mother, Jackie Smith uh, intuitive, uh, Jackie Smith librarian of the Akashic Records. Okay. Um, all right. uh, you know, so that is, but it is that particular spot in which it's really important. Now, here is the thing. The 11th house is actually the collective mind, okay? Um, so the 11th house is the need to cooperate with others. It is the need for friendships. It is the need for group situations. It's the house of our networking. And that's basically what Venus values more so than anything else, okay? So this is the social butterfly Venus. The reason that she wants all of those particular interactions is because those particular actions are what she enjoys most. Um, and those particular circumstances are what give her the best meaning. Again, okay, that it, it positively aspected, fine, dandy, can get along well with it. Negatively aspect, it can be very, very difficult because of the fact that, again, what you're looking at is an individual that is so conscious of uh, how they appear to other people and being worried about what people think about them, they often sacrifice themselves, Jackie, and their own ideals in order to fit in with a group. I have newt. Now you're going to have to explain that one to me because it just sounds like something that the witches of the Macbeth would conjure up. So I would have to say, you know, and, and or, I, or I could say spiritual cleansing. Yeah. Because um, you continually, you will need to continually shed um, the identities of other people to um, find your own. And so I have newt is dispelling negativity and includes your own. Spiritual cleansing includes uh-huh. your own. Um I, I almost was thinking protection, but n- no, it, it, you need to go and live it, yeah. um, experience it. You're going to try on a lot of Technicolor dream coats here and, until you find your own. Yeah, well, this person actually you make needs, your own. this person actually needs that group in order to feel valued um, and in order to uh, to feel and experience some form of joy. That's where you're going to get your joy from is that particular group. Like the person with Venus in the tent is going to get its joy from their job and their, and their public appearance. Um, but, but yet at the same time, they have to make sure they're, they're 
going into the right place. Does, so do, do you still like my spiritual cleansing? Yeah, I, I love the candle pits, okay? Um, uh, basically, you know, the one thing that I, I just want people to get is that if your Venus is in a particular house, you're going to have to get, that's the stage that your Venus can act on, okay? It can't act on another stage. That's where your Venus is and that's where it's staying, okay? You can't send your birth certificate in and get a new one. Um, so it's much more, so... Well, the, the there is that... <laughs> There is that service. Yeah. Um, So basically, you know, the uh, the 11th, that may be a new business to open up, you know, how to get a new birth certificate. Um, So your astrology chart is a little bit more beneficial. I mean, I have to start that. Or astrological insurance, you know, if you don't like your horse, (laughs) we'll sell you a new one. I like it. You know, but uh, that 11th house, the difficulty that I find, and why I think that the spiritual cleansing works, Jackie, is that the individual needs to feel very, very comfortable in that particular group. And a lot of times, clearing out all of that negative stuff that is tossed at you on a day-to-day basis, whether you want it or not, it comes flinging, okay, mm-hmm. um, uh, is, is definitely um, important. Venus in the 12th, this is where Jackie and I both have it. Baby, Are you ready? we've got it. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, that was, that was horrible. Okay. The 12th house is a difficult house. Um, it is probably... You were the, teasing. You said it was Optimus one. Okay, for Venus. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Sometimes awesome and a good placement is not necessarily so good after all. <laughs> uh, you know, she likes being there in that 12th house. She's exalted naturally in that particular house. Okay. The 12th house, usually where you have the 8th house, Jackie, that has to do with generational curses... Mm-hmm. which means usually the generation before yours. Mm-hmm. The 12th house has to do with ancestral curses. Um, it is the root, you know, the fabric. It is the collective side of us that um, uh, that we all experience. And what keeps us connected is human beings to all of life. When Venus is in this house, it is often through pain, wounding, suffering, and loss that the individual becomes more starts to value things that are more beautiful, tender, poised, and loving. Um, Venus has a tendency to urge the, the urge for Venus in the twelfth house is um, complete, kind of like abandoning the self in order to tap into something greater than the individual. Okay, um, you see this, Jackie, in regards to what you do with the Akashic records, actually. Um, so it suggests that, you know, you have to, you see a lot of people with spiritual-based um, uh, professions with Venus in the 12th house, because Venus says where we get our money, okay? Um, so you see a lot of people in the spiritual industry in with that, with that Venus. A lot of what it is that they do means that they have to abandon themselves out of their body in order to tap into that other individual on many levels, okay? Which is why you often see a lot of spiritualist people go through the first particular type of their life as almost an initiation, Jackie, in pain in order to become the person that they need to be. I mean, if you think of anybody, any significant individual, 
um, that you can think of that perform some form of larger surface to other people. If you go and you look at them from Oprah on down to us, okay, we'll put ourselves way down there, down, down, down. You know, that there's usually a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of difficulty in regards to childhood, a lot of experiences that the individual went through that a lot of ordinary people don't. And as a result of it, they often feel disconnected and misunderstood, okay? Um, uh, you know, basically, Venus in the 12th is looking in some ways. If it's, if it's working well, Jackie, the person can eventually go out through life. I have Venus conjunct Uranus. Um, you have Venus conjunct Pluto, okay? Um, Venus conjunct Uranus is constantly looking for something ideal, okay? With me, it goes, because Venus also has to do with the body. Uh, you know, there are times, like I said, I suffer from approval addiction. Mid it, holla, holla. Uh, you know the uh, you know so it can often seek that because it often feels overwhelmed by those particular experiences of the twelfth house. You have Venus conjunct Pluto, Jackie. You cannot be in a relationship with a man that is superficial. It has to be at that very very deep level, or you're just not going to do it. No bride magazine, no the Travel Channel perfect wedding, um, no Godzilla. Not going to work for Jackie Smith. It's just not going to. If it's not based on realism. You're not going to want it, okay? Of course, Jackie, to get to that particular point, especially with those planets that make Venus ill-dignified, there's a lot of struggle. Yeah. You know, you oftentimes yeah. have to go through a crazy freaking relationship with a, with a black witch <laughs> in order to get to that particular point. Right. Um, Sean is saying, Venus conjuncting Uranus, how can it be get any better than that? Um, actually... It's a double-edged sword. Um, Venus conjunct Uranus, uh, which, Jackie, hold on to that 12th house for a second. Um, Venus conjunct Uranus um, has in, a perfected vision in regards to uh, what it expects out of relationships. A lot of times Venus, uh, it's extremely, extremely ambivalent. The ideal is much better than the flesh. Uranus in mythology did not like bodies. He did not find them perfect enough. So oftentimes people with Venus conjunct Uranus are constantly seeking out that perfect individual that's going to be able to fulfill them, that's never going to be able to exist in a human body, okay? And then if, uh, if you put it in the 12th house, i.e., I have it, he doesn't even exist, you know? <laughs> you know, the perfect vision doesn't even exist. So, uh, so it can be much more complicated. You know, how I would recommend, and myself included, um, is to work on that, is that as they're in relationships, they're going to have to constantly remind themselves that they're in relationships with other human beings and that other human beings are, are messy. And that whole 12th house especially, you know, is kind of part of that, is, is that, you know, realizing that being part of a whole means that you're going to probably tap into some of the more darker elements of human nature. Well, and that really is the Spirit Guide Ancestral Candle. Yeah. Um, because it, it's in, in connecting with, you said these are like ancestral curses. These are go way, way back. Yeah. You're dealing with the spirit realm. Yeah. And that's exactly what you need to do. And, and, and so that gives you, the way the Spirit Guide Ancestral Candle works is it puts the connection in your hands versus always being bombarded with it. It's the channel changer. When do I yeah. want to talk to spirit? When don't I? It not only turns it on for you, but it also helps turn it off. And I just learned something new about that candle, um, I, which happens all the time with me, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it worked that way. Um, so that's how I see um, 
and, and it's interesting because I really am of late of this this let's say this midpoint in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really drawn to working with spirit, working with ancestors, not to necessarily channel, but to be clearer in my connection to them. Um, because I I have been um, I I the oldest I'm sorry the only grandparent I knew died before I was six years old. Uh-huh. So I really didn't know any of my my grandparents. So and my parents didn't talk about their parents or their grandparents. So there's this really weird complete disconnect of ancestry in my life. Where. It's- is that interesting? It, 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 it's very, very fascinating. And one of the things, that, Jackie, that I think about when you have um, any planet that is ill-dignified in the 12th, okay, any planet, uh-huh. um, is that oftentimes, you know, the images, because I work with the images a lot, and I use them in a healing principle, okay? If you think about the movie Poltergeist or any form of... Um, a possession type of movie or things of that nature. It, it, you know, usually what you have at the root of that particular possession is that there is something that the spirit did not get or it was um, snatched away from them or uh, something of that nature that made that particular spirit dysfunctional, okay? Mm-hmm. And that spirit is making itself constantly known in regards to certain areas of the individual's life. Ill-dignified planets in the 12th house is kind of like a poltergeist, okay? In order for you to be able to deal with those particular wandering spirits that are, you know, wandering around. You often have to go to the particular root and look at the issue and offer the spirit something to appease them. So I think that your candle suggestion is spot on. Awesome. I like it. Because a lot of times, you know, what what a spirit simply needs is to feel valued, okay, on some level. And I think that through the process of lighting up that ancestral candle, Jackie, you are giving them some form of value in your life. And by even starting to tap into it in that creative way, oftentimes that's all the alchemy that is necessary to begin the particular transformation process. And, you know, as uh, closing out Venus, um, you know, we've given an enormous amount of information over the last three weeks, probably more information than Jackie and I have ever given in the course of Keep It Magic, okay? And when you're looking at these particular things, especially in regards to what it is that you value, I have a few suggestions. Take it very, very gently. Really figure out what it is that you value. Really figure out where it is that you need to place that particular um, energy and trying to work with it in a creative way. And here is the thing. Oftentimes, acknowledging it is the first spark that you need to begin to cook that particular process. Absolutely, because, okay, what you pay attention to grows, which means it also heals. And sometimes it's just bringing that into your conscious mind. Yes. And and then also with, with the way the candles work is they hold the space while you fuss. Yes. They're just going to hold that 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 space for you um, of things in a positive, healthy, and empowered alignment while you fuss and figure out what this means to you. Because this whole process is about finding your values is so freeing. Oh my God! Just just doing this exercise pre Venus, just doing this exercise yeah. as a personal thing. Finding my values made me go. Oh, I don't have to struggle against this other stuff. Yeah. It just it it helps it just come in come into place. Oh, it's 
it's it's a very freeing experience, and I'm excited. I'm excited for anyone who takes it. Anyone who takes it because it 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 stops it stops the insanity. But what it stops is that um, that um, constant crisis. Yeah, I I think that the more that you make peace with Venus, the more joy that you particularly experience in your life. And I know from firsthand having to go to my particular Venus and say, okay, I have Venus in Libra in the 12th house. Um, it is in, in opposition to Chiron, and it is um, conjunct Uranus and in square to the moon, and being able to work with them in a creative level. And by the way, even though there's no Keep It Magic next week, there is going to be a blog on my site about Venus in aspect of planets and how to work with them. So you still have a little bit more Venus stuff that's going to go on, even though that Jackie will be away. I just don't want to talk to myself on the radio. Um, uh, but... Um, um, you know, making the particular peace with Venus, I think, is what brings an individual inner joy. And I think that that is basically what people need to look at. And, you know, we're really, really, as a culture, disconnected from this particular planet. We're taught that it's wrong. We're taught that, um, uh, you know, what it is that we should value is really sacrifice. Um, and this is the reason why I think that a lot of people are very, very screwed up um, uh, in regards to the way that they're experiencing things. Yeah. Enjoy the Venus. Enjoy the Venus. You're right, Sean. Um, now, next week, Jackie and I will be off of the air. We won't be doing a show. Um, I'll be fl- flying. Jackie will be in a plane, uh, and I'm not talking to myself, so it will be on my blog, Um When we come back, what we have discovered through Venus is that we have discovered something even greater. Not only do people not know what it is that they value, but most people don't even know what their needs are. And we're going to be doing a five-part series next month on needs. How to get in touch with them, what you may need in regards to your relationships, what you may need in regards to your career. We're going to explore needs on a huge, big, gigantic level. We are going to do an INATS recap on the first Tuesday, so you may only get a half hour of needs next next uh, that show. But the rest of the time will be all needs, so you will definitely want to tune in for that particular needs series. Um, uh, also, cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. If you have a problem in your life or you want to get these candles, remember the best, the best way to do it is inner beauty candle plus go to Jackie's blog on Keep It Magic, find out your sun sign candle, Plus whatever it is that Jackie uh, suggested on um, uh, on this uh, on this particular show and kind of glue them together, you'll have yourself a yeah. great recipe. And we will see you guys in two weeks, Jackie. In the meantime, what do they need to do? They need to keep it magic and find their Venus. Find their Venus. Find out what you enjoy. Live the joy. Whatever you know. Speak life, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. feels perfect, other days it just ain't working, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between, yo it's crazy, amazing, we can turn our hearts through the words we say, mountains crumble with every syllable, hope can live or die, so speak life.
watch just fall apart I do, I don't, I will, I won't It's like I'm drowning in the deep Well, it's crazy to imagine Words from my lips as the arms of compassion Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope you live or die So speak